Hey y'all, this is Mallory Irvin and it's time for all of us to live fully. It's so important in this crazy world of ours that we stay connected, inspired, and motivated to be and do our best. And that's not always easy. I'm here with my guests and friends to share the stories and lessons we've learned to help you live your best life every day and truly begin living fully. Let's make it happen and get started with today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Living Fully Podcast. I have done, I believe this will be my 39th or 40th episode, and this is the episode that I'm the most excited to bring you guys because Jen Hatmaker is a light in my own path and so many. She needs no introduction, but just in case you don't know who Jen Hatmaker is, Jen is the author of several New York Times bestsellers of Mess and Moxie, seven plus 12 other books. She's the host of the For the Love podcast. And she and her husband, Brandon, founded this just amazing thing called the Legacy Collective. She also starred in a popular series on HGTV called My Big Family Renovation. She's a mom of five, a sought-after speaker, a resident of Austin, Texas, and just, like I said, a real leader in my own path of self-improvement and living my, my most authentic life and so many other things. Jen's books and Jen has made a huge impact on my own life. And I'm super excited to bring you guys, I'm going to go ahead and say like my favorite author of all time, Jen Hatmaker. I just told Jen off the air that I've done 40 podcasts and she is truly the guest that I have been most excited to have on. Hi, Jen. <laughs> that is just nice. You're oh. being so nice. I, Thank I mean you. I mean that is just so, I'm so happy to be here with you. I really am. Thank you. Thank you. And, and we were just talking a little bit about these wild and crazy times that we're in totally. off the air. Here we are. We're recording this podcast. It's going to be a couple weeks before you guys are hearing it, but we're still in quarantine. We're still in self-isolation, quarantine, whatever you want to call it. Here um, we are. Jen's book is coming out April 21st that we're going to talk about. And Jen Hatmaker has made such an impact on my life with her books. And I know she is just about to bless the heck out of all of y'all today. So without further ado, Jen, I want to just start with like three lines from Mess and Moxie that I wrote down when I read that book. Okay. So you said... It's so disorienting living in this world that we're in. I was like, what a great line. She doesn't even know what's about to happen mm. whenever she's writing. Totally. Oh my gosh. You also wrote a line that says, it's not the load that breaks you down. It's the way you carry it. Mm. And then you said, sometimes fear launches us into a deeper, wider life. So I know this mm. is a mm. mess and moxie and that's the book wow. that you have written before, but wow, do those lines apply to today? So Girl, I didn't mean to be a prophet. You I did not prophet. mean to be a prophet. <laughs> isn't uh, that weird how timely that, that sounds now? Mm-hmm. And as a thinker and a leader of our uh, of our whole generation of women, and I know you've got some male followers too, but a lot of women, what do you have to say just about these times and, and what's, what's going down right now? Mm. I just have all the room in my heart right now for what people are experiencing and how they are experiencing it. Like I notice in my own life that I can literally swing wildly 
from this incredibly like optimistic, <laughs> we got this, you guys, like we're women are amazing. We're going to hold uh-huh. this thing together. We're going to, we can do this. We're going to emerge from this stronger. I'm telling you in the same day, like by the end of the day, this happened to me yesterday, Mallory. I, I, I put a video out yesterday morning to my community. Did you see? I know. Well, I, the morning video was like, guys, grace. We're going to give everybody grace. We're going to let everybody respond how they need to. We're going to let our kids be terrible. We understand by four 30 that day I'm in the bathtub with no water in it. I've got a glass of wine sitting on a garbage can. And I'm like, this is the <laughs> same calendar day. And so I just think that this is a really human experience that none of us have ever done before. We don't have precedence for this. You know, we don't have our moms, our grandmas, I can't tell us, well, this is what we did the last time this happened. You know, it's just new. And so I just, I, my heart keeps expanding for people. Like you're going to have really like human experiences inside of this. And some of it's going to be great and some not. Talking about this human experience. So I like it because on your Instagram, you show just the ins and outs of the days. And that's, And I think one of the reasons that I connect so much to you, because you show the full swings, I I show the full swings too. And it's, it's something that an audience just really connects with, because don't we all have those swings? And you've got five children, correct? You live in Austin. (coughs) You know, I know a lot of people already know who you are, but I want to just start out and talk a little bit about your journey, because you've written 12 books. And in the beginning, you were writing different types of books than you are writing now. And I would love to hear, since we're going to talk today about, you know, kind of how the insides and the outsides, how we can get those to kind of match and the whole concept of your new book, which is just so beautiful and amazing. And I cannot wait for the world to get it in their hands. Can you talk a little bit about that, about your journey? I sure can. You're going to just excuse my coughing fit. I hope you ain't got the Corona. It's so funny. Don't you find that you're like having (laughs) to defend yourself anytime you sneeze? You're yeah. like, no, 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 it's just allergy. It's like, it's just, just pollen. Yeah, yeah, it's just oak, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's a huge question you're asking. I've built my career and my ministry and really kind of my adult life in a wider scale in, a, in sort of the um, evangelical women's subculture. And I'm just telling you, I was like fit to be, successful there. I was just the right kind of person. Like I had, I had the right qualities to do well there. And it's what I knew. It's what I'd always known. It's where I grew up. It's all the leaders that I'd ever kind of experienced my life. And so I built my, my work there. And, and what I started to notice, I'm going to say at, at the farthest reach back, maybe 15 years ago, closer in 10, in earnest five years ago mm-hmm. is that I just texted a child to bring me water. And this is the real world we're living in. Thank you, honey. Oh, well, you're going to see how many children are there with you in your house currently? Million. A million. Out of One million. <laughs> Four out of the five of them are here right now. Oh my gosh. Are they okay? Oh, you well, do- my, my college, I've got a college senior, um, know, who has heart. <laughs> It's the saddest thing. So he came for spring break and now he lives with his parents. So (laughs) um, 
but I started noticing some internal tension Mm -hmm. and it wasn't just on one thing. I started to notice that the personality that I was presenting and I knew how to present it. I know the rules. Like I knew which kind of words and language and behaviors were going to be rewarded and which kind were going to be punished. But I started to notice that some of the ways I was moving around in the world as a human, definitely as a leader, did not match what was actually going on inside of me. I had ideas that I was pondering. I had thoughts. I had convictions. I had some spiritual curiosity around a few ideas. I even just noticed that my the sincere core of who I was wasn't didn't exactly match that real polished version of me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I did what most mature people did and I just ignored all that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't prepared to pay any sort of cost at that point. Yeah. And you know, there's a cost when you oh, decide yeah. to own your life. When you are like I have agency over who I am, mm-hmm. over like what I want, what I really want, what I need, um over what I believe, my convictions, over my relationships. You know that if you decide to give yourself permission to own all that, that there's going to be a a price built in. And I knew it. I knew it. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, I got to keep this house of cards up somehow. Like, I need to keep this private, Mm -hmm. which really was more for me like secret. Because I think there's a difference between privacy and secrecy. Like privacy, we're entitled to privacy. Privacy to me is marked by discretion. But what I noticed is that mine felt more like secrets, which were marked by like fear and shame. Like, I can't say this stuff out loud. Like, this won't work. This will not fly in my community. I know it. I've seen other people go down in flames if they follow this line of thinking or if they, you know, consider this option. And I, I sort of held it together for a while. Anybody who was really paying close attention to me at the time could have looked on and been like, this isn't going to last. <laughs> it's not going to last. Because these big ideas of mine and these ways of being kept coming out of my mouth, I just can't help it. I'm just like a person of like deep conviction and it had come out and everybody would freak out. And then I would just like, oh, keep it on the rails. And I'd tuck it all back in and put the lid back on and try to be really agreeable for a few weeks to yeah. smooth it all over. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, I know. I know this whole and story. So, yeah. <laughs> For me, it finally got to the point, and I'm painting with a wide brush and leaving out a million things, but it finally got to the point where I, my, my sense of being disintegrated on the inside, where there was this one version of me here, but this real version of me over here, right? I was saying this to one room, but this to another room. I just couldn't live like that anymore. It yeah. felt like a fraud. I felt disgenuine and insincere. I felt like a bad leader. Yeah. And I, I finally noticed that in, in, in this attempt to keep the peace over here, I had no peace. Mm-hmm. I had no peace. Mm-hmm. And I was robbing other communities of peace also. And so I finally said, Jen, you either get to hang on to your career as you know it, the life you built as you know it, mm-hmm. or you get your integrity, but you, ha- you can't have both. So you got to pick. Yeah. And I just decided that um, I picked my integrity. And that I was going to let the chips fall where they may. But at the end of the day, it would be true Mm -hmm. and it would be honest. And I would be leading out of a place of integrity where I was 
telling the truth, not just to myself, but to people. And then imagine my shock to discover that once I went through the chaos and the turmoil of that, which is real, absolute beauty on the other side, freedom. Yeah. And what's so, I mean, I I know this story because I've read your books and I'm sure a lot of my audience has, but this is a story I think of a lot of people's lives, you know, whether they come to the other side or whether they have What's a beautiful part of your story, Jen, is that you're sitting here writing New York Times bestsellers. Like you were really, you were having some major success. It was working for me. It was working for you yeah. like really well. Like that's, that's the kind of the top of the, the mountain that a lot of people want to get to. So right. a lot of people are probably thinking in their own lives, well, I made it to the top and it's working. Like I want to switch it up, you know? Totally. So you said another line in your book that I wrote down. You were talking about like, once you get to that, the success, yep. you're talking about how like, you know, it, it's not going to feel like all of the, all of the feels that you think you said, you'll still be in your weird mind, wondering why your life is mostly the same. <laughs> Traditional success doesn't fix you like you thought it would. That's so, right. I, I just love, gosh, there's so many lines that I pulled from a mix, mess and moxie. It was just, that was one of my favorite books that you've done. So, okay. So this is your story. We started out and here we are on, is this the 12th book or the 13th book? The one I think it's the 12th. Okay. So fierce, free and full of fire. <laughs> the God to being glorious you. I cannot wait to read this book myself. I started skimming the e-copy because it's not out yet. It comes out April 21st, which is when you yeah. guys are listening to this podcast. And it's all about kind of how we get the insides to match the outside. That's and it. The story that you just told of your own life, there's no one more yeah. qualified to tell this story. And I've had my own journey, very similar yeah. to yours. I literally walked off the Miss America stage, a total train wreck. And I had it, man, did I have it put, to, mm. put together. I think it's a journey that a lot of people have taken. A lot of people need to take again. Maybe That's a right. lot of people didn't even realize they, they needed to take That's it. Right. So you're going to talk a lot about that in this book from what I've read. So can you just tell me, you know, why you chose to wrote the, write yes. this book? Yes, you could not be more right. This isn't a memoir. This isn't just about my particular story, although I've woven all that in there. This is because I sat back and looked at my community and combed through about a year's worth of communication and connection in my community of women, which is a lot. Yeah. And went, where are our pain points? Like, where are, where's our shared needs? What is it that we keep gathering around wanting free? Where do we want freedom? And I just noticed this through line of women saying, I have this one thing on the inside, but it does not have permission to live on the outside. And I am pretending and I am faking my way through it. Wow. And it is breaking my heart. And it's not just one thing. It's not just, that's not just in a spiritual space. As I sort of went through all of that, all those checkpoints, I noticed that women felt like they were not integrated. They were not whole, same on the inside as the outside in five areas. And it started with like, so this is how the book is organized, who I am. So we're going to go like right to the core. And, you know, because we were told really early on, you and I knew by kindergarten who we were supposed to be. We know. Mm-hmm. We know what girls are supposed to be. Um, we know what girls are supposed to be like in our region. The, the message is we know what we're supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. We know what our bodies are supposed to be like. And so we start there. Like, who are you really? Not not who you've been told to be, but who are you really? We really do a lot of internal work on that. So who I am, 
what I need, I noticed that a lot of women are not telling the truth there. We need some help. We need more connection. We need some things in our lives and we're afraid to say it. We're afraid to say, I need this. We don't want to appear weak. We don't want to impose. The laundry list goes on and on and on. But I'm noticing that there are some things that we, one of them is, one of the chapters in that section is called, I deserve goodness. And, and it's this idea that women don't even necessarily believe they do. And so Instagram square, you said, I deserve good goodness. Full stop. Full stop. Full stop. Full stop. I love so that. we're going to unpack a lot of that. A lot of the lies that people told us why we're not deserving of goodness in this life. Um, and then what I want, you know, women are, we're not conditioned to want things in a big way. You know, we, that's not ladylike. That's too aggressive. That's yeah. too assertive. Um, what it is we want, what I believe. Mm, and great. this is a for my community is a space where women are harboring a lot of private questions that they are afraid to discuss. Yeah. Because a lot of spiritual communities hold out belonging as a weapon. Yeah. So we know that if we rattle the the wrong cages, that the first price we're going to have to pay is belonging and it's a big price to pay. So we talk about spiritual curiosity and then finally how I connect that we have a lot of pain inside of our relationships, a lot of drama, um, a lot of dysfunction and unhealth. And so really the main goal is to get to the end and feel like it's all uncovered. Like I've done the wow. work. Some of us don't even know. When I say, who are you? They're like, Bleh. yeah. Or they tell you what they do, which is something that I, I did for years. And I think a lot of people that you, you're so right. Everybody, everybody already told me, everybody already told me what I need to look like and act like, and yeah. everybody already told me what I believe too. So I don't even have Same. to go there. That's so, right. And, you know, what a beautiful way you, you put that, that gosh, it's at, at this, you have to sacrifice belonging a lot of times. You do. I agree. I mean, I mean, who doesn't want to belong? Everybody, we need to belong. So, yeah. And we have to sacrifice our convictions and we have to sacrifice our personalities and we have to sacrifice our desires and we have to sometimes sacrifice our gifts and our sense of authority. Mm -hmm. We have to sacrifice our agency. It's not okay. Yeah. Like women are just so gifted at this because we've been taught yeah. to walk into any room, read it immediately and give it what it wants. Mm -hmm. Right. We know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And so our, we were told early on that our primary job is to protect the temperature of the room that we're supposed to read it. We're supposed to, we are supposed to adjust so that nobody else in the room gets a little too warm or a little too cold, but we didn't even get to set the temperature, mm -hmm. right? And so I'm just, my, I'm suggesting, my thesis here is that this is a terrible way to live, first of all. It's cost too much, actually, that it is it's at the expense of women living in absolute integrity. And here's what's funny. Again, because you just said, Mallory, people already tell me, what I believe. People already tell me how I'm supposed to look. They already tell me what my personality is supposed to be like. They've also told us this is what happens when women have too much agency over their own life. They are bitchy. They're dangerous. Yeah. They're prepared to sacrifice their families. Mm -hmm. They just want to take over the world. Men are now at risk. 
right? And everything is a house of cards. It's all going to fall apart. But I'm here to tell you that is a lie. That's just a, like a lie of the patriarchy meant to keep us in our place. And it works well because what I have experienced, not just in my own life, but in my community of women and my colleagues that I love and respect and admire is that women who have full ownership of who they are entirely, where they are going, what they believe, what they need and want. These are the best women on earth. They are serving beautifully. Their families and relationships are flourishing. Their communities are like coming back to life. Like these are the women we need. These are this, these are the women who are solving problems and standing in gaps and being good allies and friends and neighbors. These are the very best women, not the worst. And so it's a lie that we've got to be able to lay down and say, I believe that this work, no matter what it costs, and there is one, and that's, that's a fair thing to assess, is going to be worth it. And that not just me on the other side, but everybody that I love is going to flourish too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that people get really, obviously people get really used to us being a certain way. And a lot of times when we want to rattle those cages, I think people get a little bit scared, but if you can just be strong enough to make it through, and it sounds like this book will really kind of hold our hands through this process and do it step by step, because it's almost like I've done part of the work before and I've gotten a little bit better, but was I like living my life to the fullest and just feeling awesome? No. Like, and I went right back into the way that I was before. So I love it that, so who we are, what I need, what I want, what I believe, what I connect. It's like you hit all the bases. Yeah. That's it. Home run. If you can make it through and you, I think it's, gosh, I just read, there was nowhere else to go except to slowly die inside. That's what you wrote about like when the insides don't match the outsides. It's like, you have to do this work. Sometimes, you know, in my own journey, in my own the brand that I kind of started, it's, it's about living your life to the fullest. It's kind of my own journey, just like your journey where things didn't match. And a lot of times that hard work that people just don't want to do it. And it's really, and truly it's at the sacrifice of your entire life. And I love it. It sure is. You put it out there. It's that you're going to slowly die inside and it sure is just no way to live your life. And okay. You know, it's so true. And when you say that, I'm 45. And so I'm kind of here in the middle of life. And um, I had to go through a lot of unlearning. So I had to unravel a bunch of stuff before I could reimagine it the way I'm looking now. And so even now, some of those old voices that sometimes, by the way, are it's my own voice, Mm -hmm. wants to pop in and derail the work and make me question its integrity and insist that this is not what good girls do. Cause I always was a good girl and I followed rules, but I'll tell you what, it'll sharpen it up for me, like super fast. If ever that gets muddy for me or cloudy, like, Ooh, this is not a message that I've heard from the Christian community a lot. Like, and, and I get a little wobbly right away. I think about my daughters mm-hmm. and I'm like, do I want this for them? I'm like a hundred percent. If I could have learned this when I was 20, Instead of 40, I cannot tell you how much less time I would have wasted and how many, how many less tears I would have cried, mm-hmm. how much more like capable and able I would have stepped into my life earlier and, yeah. and how much, what a better neighbor I would have been. And so 
that fixes me right. That fixes me right up. Like, this is what I want my daughters to know. This is how I want my daughters to live. I don't want them to have to undo all this in the middle of their life. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that'll bring you right back. I I think about that too, in a different way. So I have two boys. I have Ford that's almost two and then Shepard is six months. So they're very close (laughs) in age and two babies. Yeah. Little babies downstairs with their dad, probably watching YouTube, which they're not supposed to do, but whatever. It's a new day. Um, trying to make it through. And I think about them sitting on their beds at college telling their friends about their mom. And so it's the same thing. And like I almost Love cry it. every time I talk about it because I'm like, how would they describe me? You know, how would they describe their mother? It's such a gosh, it's such a powerful thing to bring you. I back. love that so much. And and I I I again I cannot quit banging this drum that it is a gift to give to our children wholehearted mothers, right? Who are not afraid and who are living true and sincerely and have a lot of agency over their own life and gifts and opportunities and relationships. What a gift to them. Like that's the mom they, that's the mom they deserve. Mm -hmm. And the mom Um, that they deserve, it's like, it's the version of the mother that you are, that I see you show up on Instagram. It's the ups and the downs. It's like really feeling life. And it's about being really honest about what's happening. And and when you don't like it, when you do like it, and you know, we're both in a world of, of social media where I think you know, even I think it's changing now. Everybody likes the more authentic stuff now, but a couple of years ago, it was real polished and it, it really needed to look right. And yeah. people were following that and they were kind of buying into that lie. And that was a version of, you know, me growing up as a young mother. That was something that I, I, I didn't feel right about every once in a while. Like I would take a picture and put it on Instagram and I would think, Ooh, Hmm. Well, was that happening in that picture? Like we didn't come totally. to meal together smiling. Totally. But I showed everybody else that I didn't. So it's like it's just the whole outsides matching the inside. Like that's right. That's book. right. And yeah. and I think, you know, there's a real impulse as leaders to present the shiniest version of who we are, of who our kids are, of what our marriage looks like and life. And I get that. I, I get the impulse to be our better selves. But the the truth is there's something also powerful about being vulnerable and, and sincere. I find that that can be just as comforting to people. It's actually, it actually is hard for people to look in at somebody's life that always looks that propped up. Mm-hmm. Even if the instinct is good, even if the motivation is simply, I'm just trying to encourage my community. I'm trying to keep it up here. I'm trying to go glass half full. You know, I'm trying to raise us all up. I understand that impulse too, but it has this unintended side effect of making our communities feel less than yes, and feel like something's wrong with their humanity, that they must be doing it wrong because their dinner wasn't that precious and beautiful, you know? And so I I have laid that down largely because I noticed that I am drawn to leaders who show me their human side Mm -hmm. and not in a performative way. You know what I mean? Like it's possible to be performatively Mm -hmm. vulnerable where that also is not really true. There's a lot of right now. You could I think you can smell that in the air. I can. I can smell that in the air. And so, but rather when somebody, I can tell you're just being honest right now, it it helps me know this is the price of a human life and not every day is perfect. And I really appreciate leaders 
who lead sometimes with a limp. Mm-hmm. Lead with a limp. I love that. <coughs> I love that. Okay. So you talk about, you had to unlearn a lot of things and do you talk about, I'm assuming you talk about that in, in the new book. What was the hardest thing that you had to unlearn? That's a really good question. It would probably be a tie for me because I grew up, how did you grow up? Like, what was your sort of, did you, what, did you have like a, a faith packaging that you grew up with? Yes. Yeah, so we grew up, I'm Catholic. I grew up on a farm with 23 first cousins. I'm the oldest. I was the leader, the champion, the the valedictorian, the Miss America, the things. And nobody fought. Everything was perfect. Okay. Yeah. 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 I grew up where I'm strong like you. I'm first born. I'm oldest cousin. Always the leader. Oh, always the cousin too. Wow. program director. Oh, always yeah. the teacher in the class. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> in the mass. Really yes. similar. Yes. Top of the class. All of it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I grew up understanding that there was a sanctioned spot for strong women mm-hmm. and it was small. Like we could be in it, but it was small compared to the big world. And then outside of that, it wasn't welcome, especially for me because I was sort of coming into some sense of like spiritual authority and that was not approved. Women in my world uh, did not lead spiritually. That was not only not approved, it was called unbiblical, right? So I didn't have, had I stayed the course there, I would have had no authority over my God-given gifts. Like I would have just had to put them on the altar. Isn't that wild? And never used them. In a spiritual setting, that that is a thing? That's still a thing. I mean, that's absolutely still a thing. I've just walked away from the thing, but it's absolutely still a thing. And so, so to your question, I had to unlearn that the way I have been created and how I am in personality, the way that I am wired, what I am good at, how I was crafted to sort of lead is exactly right. That there's nothing wrong with that, that I'm not too much, that I'm not domineering, which is what my sixth grade teacher called me, that I'm not disobedient. I'm not being unfaithful. Those were messages that I received loud and clear. And so having to undo that is still work for me. It's still work for me that this is the skin I am in. And it was the skin I was meant to be in. And I got to live this life. This is my life. So that was, that was more like who I am, who I am is good. Mm -hmm. And I do want real quick, before I say the second one, I want people to know that in fierce, even though the title is so like, it's so strong. It's so like such a bold title. I am not laying out a path for every single woman and reader to become some big, huge version of themselves at all. So what I make room for in there, you be who you are. Yeah. Like, because just like I was told for a big chunk of my life, you should be less Mm -hmm. to be sure there are other women who are constantly told you should be more right? Like you're not enough. You're not doing enough. You're not enough period. And so uh, my aim here is not to get us all to be the loudest trumpet of the band. My aim here is let's do the internal work, figure out who am I, and then live in that lane, like live in it. Mm -hmm. I will not be more because you're telling me to be more. I will not be less because you're telling me to be less. I'm going to be who I am. And so I don't want women to feel like, Ooh, that's not my personality. So that's not going to work for me. I'm telling you, I'm not laying out, not laying out that path. Okay. 
Then the other thing I would say that I had to unlearn and relearn is that there is a beautiful place for spiritual curiosity. I was, I was raised in a faith space that did not value that at all. We valued certainty. Mm-hmm. Like we are right, which of course the flip side of that means everybody else is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, like we've got yeah. this thing exactly figured out. We're, we've got it buttoned up. It's clear. There's no nuance to it. There's no need for discussion. There's no need for investigation. In fact, those behaviors will cost you your belonging, right? So I, I knew, I knew, I don't, you don't ask, you don't challenge. The price will be pretty steep. You'll lose it all. And so having to boot that mean spiritual voice out of my head and realized that I was actually handed a lot of beliefs that were no good <laughs> and yeah. they were harming people and yeah. hurting people and they were not creating human flourishing at all yeah. that I had permission to look those in the eye and go, I wonder if there is another way to understand this. Like, I wonder if we got this wrong and I was correct. That came with a cost. And oh, my what they mem- call you messy transparent in the book. A messy transparent. I still <laughs> love that title. She's just a messy transparent. Oh, that was funny in the book. Um, yeah, but it came with a co- it cost. It did. I, I yeah. lost my career as I knew it, and and without any guarantee that I ever rebuild. I didn't know that. I didn't know that at the time. Now, like if you could have told me, Mallory, four years ago, that I'd be sitting here talking to you in 2020 having rebuilt the most beautiful community and now having absolute permission internally, I gave it to myself to live and lead wholeheartedly true in everything, true in word and deed. I'm no longer afraid. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of anyone. I cannot even believe the amount of liberation I live in now. Yeah. And the freedom, there's a beautiful community. Oh my gosh, I love it where belonging is no longer weaponized in really in any way. It's just such a more curious and charitable space. And I just feel like if I could change anything at all, I would just go back to myself sooner and said, you can do this. Yeah. It's, this uh, is going to be worth it. It's, I mean, it, it's just, it's so amazing to me, your journey and how people can see your journey by reading your book, reading all of your books and that you took the chance with not just the people in your own house. Hey, I'm going to switch things up or, you know, with yourself internally. Hey, I'm going to figure this out and switch things up. You took it with like the world. You had this whole community built. You were making a a living from it. You're supporting your family with it. And you took that chance. So it's like, heck, and you said something while ago and it's so it's so wild that in that community, it was seen as unfaithful, like That's right. not to use your God-given gifts and talents. Like it sounds so bizarre, but I, I mean, it was the truth. Yep. And like, you're just look at you, at you and this journey. And on the other side of it, we all benefit from it. And I love um, the title of the new book. And I loved it when you started releasing it. And I was like, what, what is this going to end up at? So on Instagram, you would release like a, you'd release a word and then another word, uh-huh. and then another word. Yeah. So the book is Fierce, Free, and Full of Fire. I am curious, you know, what each of those words mean to you and why they mean so much within this book to include them in the title. Hmm. 
I am, first of all, a huge fan of alliteration, obviously. My last book was called Of Mess and Moxie. I like all words to start with the same letter. And I think that's just my Baptist conditioning when like in a sermon, every single point started with the same letter. I didn't know that. Okay. So anyway, I thought through like, what is available to every woman? Not based on personality, not based on her specific volume, not based on her career, right? Like what is just available to women? And, and I started just noodling through these words because this to me is the end game. Like the title is aspirational. This is the end goal. This is the end goal of the work. Very far. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I think about women who are fierce, that doesn't mean loud. It doesn't mean bossy. It doesn't mean slaying everywhere. Like, (laughs) I think it means that they are fiercely protective of who they are, who they're meant to be, where they're going and how they're going to get there. You know, that's it. Like, we are our own best friend. Mm -hmm. We are our own cheerleader. We are our own lead blocker. We hold the line. And that work, ugh, the result of it is so important. Like women who are able to say, I've been told who to be. I've been told what to look like. I've been told what to believe. And I'm going to do the work of sifting through it all and just, and, and mining the diamonds from the rubble. It's just fierce. It's amazing. I'm proud of women who do that work. I just want to be like, yes. See you. Yeah, I see you. you. Uh, hat today. I see you. Yeah. I do. I, I this is I, it's aspirational. I'm like I see you. And you know what we may discover is some of the things that we were handed we love and they're true and we hang on to them and they are real to us. Yeah. Um, and some aren't. And so free to me is what happens right on the other side of that. Like I was telling a friend the other day that once I finally laid down fear. Well, I don't know if I laid it down. That's not really even true. But once I said, whatever the cost is, is going to be worth it. I'm going to face the music. I'm going to lose what I'm going to lose, but I am at least going to be telling the truth. I'm at least going to be honest about who I am and what I believe in, want, need out of this life. And then just stood in the storm and it, and it did, it, it raged more than I thought and longer than I thought. But I told myself going into it, I'm not, I'm not reverse. There's no, I'm not reversing out of this. I'm not going to walk it back. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to soften the blow just to ease the storm. I'm not, I'm not, won't do it. I'll stand in it. And then once I weather the storm, because every storm ends, every storm, no storm lasts forever. Like, I don't care. It's blowing you sideways. And you're just thinking, I won't make it. Yeah, you will. Yes, you will. You will make it that storm will end. And then you'll be able to look around and see what's left. Mm-hmm. That right there is freedom because I realized having lost everything I was so afraid to lose and then realized I didn't lose it all at all. Mm-hmm. And it, rebuilding is possible. I wasn't scared anymore. And so I, it purged me a fear, which is like a freaking miracle, wow. such a miracle because yeah. I operated out of that for so long. Purge me. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anything that would scare me anymore. Like you were asking me, Mallory, right before we started recording, is there anything you don't want to talk about? I'm like, no, nothing, nothing. <laughs> I'm afraid of nothing. Yeah, I'm afraid of no topic. Yeah. Uh, Cause I'll just tell you the truth, whatever that is, I'm no longer afraid to live in it. And so yeah. that freedom 
So that fierce work gives you that freedom. And that is when women are full of fire. I'm telling you, you can't help it. You can't help it. If you live in those two spaces, you will be full of fire in your relationships, in your work, in your community, in your faith spaces, in your own like beautiful body. There's a lot of, there's a whole chapter in here on bodies. And like, that just excites me. When I think about that community of women, I'm like, let's do this. This is worth it. We deserve the work and the people that we love deserve our best. And so I just, that is the kind of work that gets me out of bed in the morning right now. Yeah. Wow. And what a, you know, what a journey in your own life you've shared to get you to that point. And so, you know, what's your, I feel like we've already touched on this, but what is your, what is the big hope for women reading this book? Is it that you just start the journey? Is it that you, you, you read this book and you end up at full of fire? Is it that you, you know, leave behind these things that aren't working? You know, what, what is, I know it's all those things. Yeah. Like one big hope for women reading this book, what would it be? Yeah. Right. Totally. And, and I want to be the first to acknowledge, you know, I've said that this is the book that I needed five years ago and it's the culmination of about that much time of work. And so I don't think this is an overnight magic pill, not at all. So I know some women are going to come to fierce and they are going to hear some language around some internal tension they carry for the first time. They're going to hear somebody say it. They're going to go, I thought I was all by myself in that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's going to equal some really early steps, but those early steps matter. They mean something. I I, I can think of when I first started putting my feet down a few of these paths, you might not have even known it yet because I, nothing on the outside was changing quite yet. But those early steps internally, as I began to tell myself, you are worthy of this work. Yeah. You are worthy of living wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. They mean something. And so I said at the very beginning of Fierce in the intro that my hunch, like my hypothesis is that, because there's 12 chapters in Fierce, everyone okay. deals with one of these areas is that every single woman will need a handful of these chapters in a mega way, like in a major way. They'll need a few others in a medium way because they're somewhere on the journey already. And some, they won't need it all. They'll realize I'm healthy here. Like this is, I've just discovered an area of health and I don't really need a lot of instruction. And so at the very end, I said that my hope is that if, if women read this now and they read it again in two years, they will need so much less of it than they needed the first go around that they may read That's a right. note in the margin or something they underlined and barely be able to remember how lonely they felt or how scared they were of that wow. thing. And that we can, I hope eventually this thing is obsolete. Nobody needs it. Like nobody <laughs> needs it. Um, and so I, I don't know. Women are going to come to this book from all points of life. Some of them mostly healthy and integrated, some absolutely not. And so I hope that it serves them exactly where they are and they take from it what they need. And then maybe on the second pass, they, they take the next few steps through. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I love an author who can hold up a brand new copy of her book and say, I hope they don't need this. I mean, that just, that's pretty amazing, Jen. You're, I mean, you already know how I feel about you, but 
shoot, I, I can't wait for people to get their hands on this book. And thank you, you me know, too. I have those books on my shelf that I continue to to go back to, and they they mean something. They, you're exactly right. They mean yeah. something totally different to me, and I love those books that that are a guide. It's not like you do this. It's not like here is what you can do to to feel like this or to be this. <laughs> it's like here are some prompts for you yep. to explore. Totally figure it out within you. I'm going to tell you my story on the way. And that's just, gosh, those are the best kind of books in the entire world. And every, every I think so too. You know, I, um, this is the first book I've ever hired a research assistant on because I wanted this one to be so grounded in usefulness. I wanted it to be so practical. And so, but she had our PhD in psychology. And so between the two of us, we compiled like literally every resource, every tool, every teacher, every idea, every bit of wisdom that has served me in the work and that has served her in her work. And so we said, let's put it all in one place. Let's, let's, let's lay some paver stones for women to walk on. So not just big ideas, but like, to your point, here are some little conversation starters inside of this particular conversation. Um, here are some potential answers yeah. when somebody says this thing to you or whatever it is. My husband, sorry. he's. It's walking. fine. I brought a son in. All the men in our life can just <laughs> pop in. Yes. And like you too. <laughs> yes. So I hope it's useful that women don't feel like I lit a little match and put it in their life without any tools, Ooh, like without that. any resources. I hope you'll walk away, not just with new ideas, but with new steps. Oh, new ideas and new steps. I love yeah. that because there are so many books that give me so many ideas, but ideas never stick. It's the tools. Uh-huh. And- it's the tools. How amazing to provide those. And I, I love it. I, I didn't actually realize that, that you had this researcher kind of collaborating. Yeah. That makes me even more excited to read the book. And Jen, I could literally talk to you all day, but I know that you've got a million other people to talk to. And like I said in the beginning in the, po- the podcast, and my mission is to help people to live their, their lives to the fullest. It reminds me a lot about everything that you've, you've been saying with wholehearted living. I think it's all interchangeable. Yeah. And you know, I just, what, what does living fully mean to you at at Mm. this stage in your life and having written this book and everything, everything else? Yeah. If I could just distill it down, it wouldn't be necessarily all the outward advantages and wonderful repercussions of living that way, which are huge. Like what it has meant to my work, what it means to my community, Although all those are wonderful, Mm -hmm. the biggest, most wonderful gift of doing this work and then living into it is internal. And I would tell you that if none of this ever worked, if I, if I never rebuilt my career, if, if my community said, no, that's it. We don't want to hear from you anymore. You broke the rules and we're not having it. And it never regained any footing still. Just simply knowing that I am living the most genuine version of my life right now, that I'm not pretending anymore. I'm not trying to just keep the peace in every room. I'm not fitting the stereotypes I've been handed. Just knowing that is its own reward. Like internally, it's its own comfort. It's its own comfort to stand by communities I felt convicted to stand with as an ally, but I knew in doing so, I'd sacrifice belonging. That is its own reward. Mm -hmm. Doing the right thing is its own reward. And so 
will this have an impact on our life? It will. It will in a positive way. Once we work our way through the cost, it will positively affect our lives for sure. But what it has done for my own heart, mind, and soul, I couldn't put a price on it. I told you earlier, I knew I was going to get my career or my integrity. I got my integrity and my integrity is worth it. That was, wow. I knew you were going to give a fantastic answer to that, but wow, Jen. I mean, every, everything that you say, it's, it's just, you, I I can't even describe it. I can't even describe the way that you put things into words. It's just so, it's so beautiful. And that's why thank you to read this book. And I love that you kept saying on this podcast, every storm will end because people are listening to this podcast in the middle of what seems like a storm in our lives. So, you know, why not start up another storm by reading this book when it comes out? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> got nothing but time. We got nothing but time to figure out the insides. <laughs> so I, I can't thank you enough for A, for all of the work that you do in guiding us to be these amazing versions of our authentic yeah. selves. But for spending time with me today, I just can't thank you enough. And I'm so excited for people to get their hands on this book. I am so thank you. The pleasure was all mine, oh. Mallory. Thank you for giving me an hour of time with you and with your community. It's just a real like joy to be here. And I'm not even kidding because I've been with these people for like a month now. And so <laughs> yay, a new person. <laughs> well, I'm just so excited. I'm going to link all of your socials and your website and where they can find the book and everything in the show notes. And Jenna, I literally can't thank you enough. This has just been a wonderful, wonderful, bright day in this storm. So thank you. Thanks, Mallory. Thanks for joining us on Living Fully with Mallory Irvin. And remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single minute of encouragement and inspiration to live your best life. Want more? Join us on MalloryIrvin.com so we can connect with you on Instagram and YouTube. Start living your life now. You've only got one. We'll see you next time.